Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. Okay, started at two seconds this time, so we missed uh, Skip uh, wiping his nose. I, I know. I, I, I'm looking at that. I mean, uh, yeah. Come on now. It's just messing with me now. <laughs> Will it record, Skip? I got to hit record just the right time. So we can get, so one of these days, we're going to catch up Skip doing something weird. Yeah, well, that wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> so today, we're talking a little bit about blind spots. You know, um, the bigger the ego, the bigger the blind spot, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was thinking like, you know, I've learned so much this last year about sales, like sales of all things. Um, you know, I thought last year we had our sales figured out. I was like, oh my gosh, we have hundreds of leads. We have, you know, uh, you know, salespeople coming on board and we have this team and we have all these conferences. And I was like, we got this down. You know, there's a lot more to sales than just having demos and uh, going to conferences. And so, like, maintain, no, no, I still maintain it's just rat's blood and chicken bones. Rat's blood and chicken bones, according to Skip. But you know, there is a method to the madness. And, you know, it got me thinking, like, what else don't I know? And I, I remember back when I first started my career, you know, freshly minted Bachelor of Science Computer Science, two years 2002, you know, and you get into the world. And I'll, I will, we were a little different, bit different breed back then because. Bachelor of Science, Computer Science, kids who wanted to get into computers, we were the first generation, really. Skip's generation was there, but you didn't grow up thinking about computers. You, you grew up thinking maybe some engineering and maybe some like, you know, stuff like that. But then this, this computer thing came out in the mid 80s and it's like, holy crap, this is fun. But for me, I grew up with computers. Like I was, yeah. you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm right on the edge of, uh, computers becoming cool. I grew up, I was like six years old when computers finally started hitting the mainstream. And by mainstream, I mean, my, my entire, of my entire school, we had one computer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, you could get a computer. If you invested a lot of money, you could have one at your house. Yeah. And Macintoshes were just becoming a thing and accessible, but still like, you know, I graduated college with this degree and there was, a, I was like, I think I was the only one in my department that had a degree in computers at the time. And that yeah. was 2002 people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had this arrogance to us. And it was largely because, one, yes, I am more educated. But two, I'm less worldly, you know. The, the IT at that point in time was largely running Cat5, um, dealing with Windows 98. You know, if you're really fancy, you had some Windows 2000, maybe some NT under your belt. And, uh, you know, you're all that at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, USB work on NT4, you thought, you felt pretty fancy. In my my path on that, it, there I think there was a, um, I don't know, a bit of a honeymoon phase on computers because, you know, I really charged into it when we were moving off of the, the mainframes. So yeah. it was a big, big push to PCs, you know, and, uh, you know, the client server relationships rather than terminals. And this ability to bring, you know, this computing power in was kind of exciting. And that was my wheelhouse. I was all in that. So, yeah, there was a, I don't want to say romanticism about it, but there was an excitement about what you could do in computing. And, you know, I had the skills on that. And you mentioned earlier, you know, the the, the bigger the ego, the bigger the blind spot. 
Um, I, I've never thought of myself as a big ego kind of person. I mean, I'm always been a bit more reserved and sticks um, more of a stick in the mud than no, ego. no, not always. <laughs> I worked my way. I worked my way down to that one. Um, you set yourself up, man. Yeah, I, I but, have a big uh, ego. <laughs> well, and I, I recognize now that early on, even though it might not have been uh, the loud and in charge, I, I did have the big ego. I did think I knew, you know, all this stuff and I had all this figured out because I could do something that not a lot of people could do. Uh, and it was exciting. So I thought, you know, I was top of the heap. And yeah, yeah that was a that was a learning process to realize that there are lots of heaps uh, and there's a lot of people that are way, way higher up than, than you are. Yeah. I think, um, the, the Dunning Kruger effect for those of you guys are not familiar with that. You should be by now. Um, you know, it's, it's that whole idea that you feel like, you know, more when you're actually just, just beginning on a journey. Mm-hmm. So you, the, the, the line for those of you watching on YouTube here goes, it, you start off down here. And then all of a sudden you start exploring a topic and you steeply uh, climb. And the the climb is how much you think you know versus how much you actually know. Mm -hmm. And so you're over here on the, uh, this left-hand side of the graph. And then you feel like you're the smartest person. You just went to WebMD and you researched cancer and now you have all the answers. That's right. You're ready to cure the and, world. And uh, you are a COVID expert. You know more about this stuff than researchers do because obviously they're paid by big pharma. Mm-hmm. And then you start like learning and you start exploring and you start asking questions and you get disproven and you're like, okay, this is more complicated. Okay. This is a little bit little, mm-hmm. you're, you're increasing your knowledge, but now you're less confident. And now you hit this valley of despair. We're <laughs> like, I know nothing. I'm never going to understand what's going on here. I might as well just give up. Yeah. And you keep pushing forward because you're a persistent jerk and your ego won't let it go. And so you climb just a little bit up and you think, okay, I get it, but it's really complicated. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where wisdom sets in. <laughs> and IT, like I told people back in like 2005 or 2004, somewhere around there, but I had two years under my belt. So starting to get to that, that, that downhill climb, you know, heading to the Valley of Despair. And I was like, you know, IT will not be professional until we get some people over here. And that won't happen for mm-hmm. 20 years. Where you have, you have spent your entire career in IT and you have burned yourself to the bone with now lessons. And like, this is, this is kind of complicated. And now you're over here with 20, 30 years under your belt and you're leading a division. You're, you're, uh, you're a topical leader. You're uh, an expert in multiple areas. And now you can start advising tech companies or you create a tech company of your own or you're at the top at the CIO level and versus 20 years ago, the CIOs were largely, um, you know, accountants or people from other divisions. There wasn't a CIO. Yeah. There was CIOs back then. There they were just were referred yeah. to as directors or department heads. Yes. yes. And they just wanted to lead a division. And if they are at that level, then they're looking at management. They're not looking at IT management, which is a different beast. Mm-hmm. because you've got engineers. I remember a big problem in the mid 2000s was you had engineers who should have been paid more than their managers, but because of corporate hierarchy, yes, they couldn't be. 
now we know better, right? Now, yeah. if you have a CCIE on step, you're probably, he's probably paid more than you. You know, if you have some of these cloud architects on staff, they're probably paid more than you and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And because it's all around professionalism and we kind of learned that from the engineering fields. And those are blind spots we had. We did not know what we didn't know. We didn't know that you could have an employee paid more. And with employees, like you're sitting there going, okay, how do I become better at something that I don't know I'm bad at? And that sounds like a circular logic argument there. As an engineer, how do you become better at something you don't know you're bad at? So we talk to we talk to engineers and MSP owners all the time about client success, how to talk to your clients. And the categories of topics usually come in like one of three flavors. One of them says, I know what my clients need to know. They just need to listen to me. How do I get them to listen? Yeah. Those are the if words. You are saying those words. You are on Mount, what we call Mount Stupid, that peak, that early peak. You are smart. That's great. But your knowledge of customer interaction and business theory is way mm -hmm. in the early stages, which is why your customers aren't listening to you. The reason your customers aren't listening to you is the reason why you think you're so smart. And then you get the other ones who go, oh my gosh, I need a lot of help here. Uh, this is, I, I know this is important. I just have no idea how to do it. And they're largely looking at like they're desperate. They want coaching. They want they want uh, somebody to show them like where are we going? What are we doing? And that's what I for them I was all the way on the other side of the graph where they're like, okay, we've been through it. We just need some help from people who've been there. And you got people right in the middle. They're like, okay, we think this is important. Um, we know we need to talk to the clients. We need to sell more. Um, can you just give us some quick answers? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. yeah. These but blind spots are hard. <laughs> they are. And I think, you know, more than anything, you have to always challenge your own processes and you have to step back and go, you know, what what are we doing here? So you mentioned sales earlier. And we've you know got our whole sales process and we've had one one step that has really given us some grief for a variety of reasons. And so earlier this week, I was really taking a step back. It's like, all right. So what what is wrong with this? Why is it a problem? And is it a problem? that we're going to have to mitigate kind of like a risk or is this something that we can eliminate uh it, it, can, we, can we do something different that will change this and you can't just accept that we've done this before we know how you know yes it's okay i think you have to go back and and think about the these things yes you may have figured out a way to mitigate that problem and you may be really good at mitigating it but after a while, you need to come back and go, should I be eliminating this problem rather yeah. than mitigating it? And, and that's a hard process to to force yourself into, you know, to think about, you know, we're good, but do I even need to be doing this? You know, that that's sometimes the really hardest part about yeah, it. You, I, you've, you've gained a skill and you're like, do I even need this skill altogether? I, I think I love talking to MSPs, whether they want to talk about tickets and metrics in their QBRs or in their client conversations. And I'm a little forceful these days on my response, like stop wasting your time. Yeah. You know, you don't need to be doing that unless your client is specifically asking you for metrics. Stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll, I mean, they'll spend like four hours building up these ticket mm -hmm. reports and these uptime reports that the clients don't care about. 
But this yeah. is a huge blind spot because we think they should care about them. Yes. And so we put it in context, like you need to know what you don't know. Like for instance, your client is over there trying to figure out, do they need to cut staff? Do they need to hire a new salesperson? Do they need to increase spending? Do they need to take out a loan? There's these big decisions they're trying to make. And you're over here saying, look how many tickets we did last month. Mm -hmm. how, what does that have to do with their business decisions? Like their big initiatives that are going on. They're, they're wondering like, are they going to have enough for a salary next month? And you're sitting here telling them that they need to buy a new firewall because your old one's out of warranty. Yeah. You know how high in their priority list you are? This That's is true. a blind spot for IT people because we don't think in terms of business metrics. We think right. in terms of break fix. So, so, yeah, that's a really great deal. So, you know, this solving, this mitigating this problem, we figured out how to, you know, condense these reports and, and boil them down and make them more digestible. But at some point, you know, you need to come back and go, why are we generating these ticket reports? And, and sometimes I, I think it can be, if we get, you know, really objective about it, it can be really easy. So I, I, in this process here, I think you go back to the pre-sales process. So you're talking to a prospect about the value that your MSP can deliver. How many of your prospects, when you're sit down and you actually have one of those really good face-to-face, -face, fully qualified conversations, is the prospects telling you, all right, I'm expecting, if I bring you guys on board, I'm expecting you to close 47 tickets a week. And I'm looking for 12 of those tickets to be solved in less than 27 minutes. Right? That's never part of the pre-sales process. So where in this path did we all of a sudden say, hey, reports about service tickets is really, really important. And, and maybe there is an element down there. I don't want to you know, disregard tickets because that performance is valid. But sometimes we need to understand where in the branch of our decision-making process that occurred and where it needs to go. It's, and if we're talking about client relationships, that, that started at the sales process. So let's pick up that, that path there and, and verify that we're on the right path still. Yeah. The, it, when in my experience with IT, it comes down to my clients care about the same things I do. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Now, if you're running your MSP, what do you care about? Now, are you a mature business leader? If you're if you're running your MSP and you're in the operations fixing servers every day, I guarantee your client is not thinking in their day, how do I fix servers better? Yeah. That's not their mentality. So if your world is wrapped around tickets and how fast you're closing tickets so that you want to hire another in person, and all these metrics of like, okay, we need to reduce downtime so our engineers can sleep at night. That's number one priority for you. I guarantee that's not number one priority for your client. Mm -hmm. So you got to think like, do you know their priorities? And if their priorities are, you know, how to get more puppies and kennels for their daycare, how are you helping them accomplish that? That's a blind spot. If you cannot answer that question about each one of your clients, you yes. have a blind spot. It just just as big of a blind spot as those people who tried to make VLANs back in the early 2000s and made subnets instead. Like they didn't know they were doing no. something wrong. They thought they were being smart because they were doing subnetting. And no, that's not a VLAN. That's the, like 
completely different layers, yeah. people. <laughs> you missed the mark. Different layer. <laughs> they didn't know. Just like you were sitting there talking to your clients, thinking they need to know about how many tickets I'm closing because that's the thing I track and I care about. They mm -hmm. must want to know this too. No, you're on two different layers. You're on like layer two of the employee model. You're, you're, uh, you know, tier one employee, tier two employee. That's where you are. They're a tier five. Right. And they're thinking in terms of profitability, uh, direction of business. They're thinking, um, which clients do I go after next? And uh -huh. you're bringing up a tier two activity. Well, and you know, that's one of the things that I really like about our tool. And, uh, you know, again, what, Everything we say on these podcasts, what I really firmly believe you can do with a, a big chief tablet and a number two pencil, right? Uh, but we've got a spot in there for their overall business goal. What is their big hairy goal for 2024? What are they trying to do with their company? Do they want to revolutionize healthcare in their marketplace? Do they want to build this business so that it can be sold? I mean, what is that they're ultimately shooting for and yes that's going to be your your contributions to that are going to be varied some of them are going to be pretty minor some of them may be bigger but if you don't know at least at a high level where this company is wanting to go and what is really important to them you're just aiming at nothing and yeah. and that's what you're going to hit now they'll accept it they'll be like okay this person's going to fix my stuff just like i go to you know valvoline to get my oil changed not because I have a relationship there, because they're going to change my oil. Am I going to go to them for a large engine repair? No. I'm going to go to this other mechanic over here. Yeah. I'm going to go to them for an oil change. There will be no relationship there. You know, when their prices get too high, I'm going to go to a different one. That's it. Yep. And, you know, you, that's that's what you become as an MSP. Yes, you're brake fixing. And as soon as somebody undercuts your prices, they're, they're going to switch over because there's no relationship. You don't care about them. And this is a huge blind spot in the industry. And you've got to identify it by saying, can I identify why my client is in business? Mm -hmm. Can I identify anything around that? And how do I make that a technology that is going to support them? And so these blind spots we see all the time. And like as in IT, like you have a blind spot. Like I know for a fact that uh, BGP was something I never took the time to learn. I generally understand like the, the concept of BGP, but it never became a core focus for me. It was a blind spot for me, but I was okay with that. I accepted that as a blind spot. Yep. Now I have other blind spots I'm completely unaware of and eventually will hit me upside the head as a business owner and I'll get there and I'll learn them the hard way. Um, but I would sure love to learn them the easy way first. Yeah. And that's where in IT, you, you got to think in terms of what don't you know? What don't you know? You don't know. And the only way, in my opinion, the best way to figure that out is to get a mentor. So yeah. they can point out your blind spots before they sneak up on you. I've got several mentors in different areas. And that is invaluable to somebody with an ego my size. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to see the blind spot, but then they, they face me with them like, okay, you're right. I need to get on top of this. Yep. And if you don't have a mentor in your life, if there's no one directing the important areas of your life, I guarantee you, you have blind spots and your ego is so big or you're so confident because you don't know. Yeah. yeah. You think you do, but you don't. <laughs> well, and, you know, in more of the practical part on that, you know, the analytical people like me, I, I guess I've 
to help identify my blind spots, one of the techniques I do is I, I keep coming back and kind of like my example earlier before, why do I know this? But what, how did I get to this point that I, I'm, I know this, I'm, I'm competent of this, you know, I'm, you know, I'll die on this hill because I believe this, right? How did I get there? What led me to that point? Because, you know, here's the thing as well, technology is changing, right? The, the business environment, just how we do business, this, you know, remote work or uh, the, you know, so much of the transactionless activity that happens right now, it shifts, it, it changes things. And that can undermine some of the pillars that might have led to your previous, you know, foundations of, Hey, we know this when, if you come back and re-examine that, you go, wow, this landscape has changed. And I've just been assuming everything here has not. So unfortunately it is an ongoing process as well to constantly come back and challenge yourself on what you know and why. And it's not just what you know, it's why do you know this? How did you get to this answer? Because yeah. things change. How, when was the last time you came across something and said, huh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And it changes how you do business or do something in your life. How often does that happen to you? If it's happening less and less, either you've got a really narrow perspective in the narrow, narrow life, or you're glossing over some big holes in your life. If you're asking yourself, why doesn't why don't all my employees just do what I do and do it like I tell them to? You got some pretty big management holes mm -hmm. that you need to figure out. There's lots of these things you can find out if you have a business coach, if you have a mentor of some kind in your life to kind of point out, like, hey, here's where you could use some growth. Here's your strengths. Here's your weaknesses. Here's what you need to work on. You know, why isn't my business growing? You know, like there's answers to those questions. Those are blind spots. Mm -hmm. Like, do you understand why you're not growing? Do you understand the things that are you doing some things today that as Skip said, you should just cut out? Like it's no longer necessary. Yeah. You know, are you reporting on things and wasting four or five hours uh, trying to put together ticket, you know, counts when you should be just asking a simple question of, hey, how can I help your business grow today? Right. You know, just because it's easier does not mean it's worse. And so yeah. when they look at your blind spots, when you're trying to figure out what they are, ask, be inquisitive, ask your clients, how can we be better? Ask your mentors, yeah. is there anything I could work on, you think? And you'll be surprised at the answer when you could ask honestly and get those blind spots out of the way and grow. It doesn't matter how old you are, you always have blind spots. And you can decide whether or not you want to cut them out if you want to do something about them or just accept them. It's just like risks. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just mitigate the risk because, you know, fixing the risk is more trouble than, <laughs> than it's worth. So that, that's a perfectly acceptable uh, approach. And, you know, we're in the last few weeks uh, of the year. Um, you're probably going to have a few of those client conversations that there, there's a really good opportunity to have a very candid conversation about how your organization was able to help your customer's organization. Yep. And, and sometimes we're hesitant to ask that question because we don't know what the answers are going to be. Right? We like to know the answers to the questions, right? even when we're asking the questions. right? Um, and you've got to be prepared for accepting some of those hard truths from your clients. So take the opportunity this, this year as you're wrapping it up and, and you get in one of those meetings, ask your customers. Looking back over 2023, 
where where did we really not help you succeed as a company right you know not again not talking about could we have closed your tickets faster you know could we have made your internet a little bit speedier you know those are all technical terms but really understand where they felt wow if my if my tech guys had known we were going to lend you know, we're going to land you know at this spot or we we're going to go down this path and could have advised us yep. we would have we would have picked different routes if and we would have known you were open, if we yeah. known you were opening up that south location we could have helped you prepare for it better uh, yes. you know if we had known you were going to do that offsite sales we could have helped you build your internet so that you could have done more handled more sales offsite and had a backup connection these are things that you can help out with the, where are your blind spots I am willing to bet most MSPs have a blind spot and what does your customer actually do and how do you help them do it? And that's what I'm going to leave this with. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that you guys had, uh, those of you abroad got to, you know, see every, all, all of us in the States uh, just gorge ourselves and shut down for two days. <laughs> and uh, let's see, today will be Cyber Monday. So um, look for some great deals today. It should be pretty impressive because everybody's trying to recoup the losses from earlier this year. So thank you very much, and we'll see you all next week. See you. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT Transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.